0: The following audio is the recording of a sermon delivered at St. Rose Community Church. You can visit our website at strosecc.org. Good morning. If you have a copy of God's word, let me invite you to open with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31 is where we will be this morning. If you need a copy of God's Word, a hard copy that you'd like to look off of, we've got a couple guys in the back with extra Bibles. They're walking down the aisles, and just slip up your hand, and they would be glad to provide you with a copy of God's Word. Proverbs chapter 31, we will begin in verse 10 in just a moment. And we will read all the way to the end of this chapter and the end of the book of Proverbs. We are completing a journey today through the book of Proverbs, a seven-month journey, uh, one that we began in January where we began to look at this book of the Bible, which I personally had never studied at any depth, and I have been uh, personally blown away by... How the Lord has orchestrated the walking through this text for our congregation. Um, I personally have been convicted by the things that I needed to be convicted with in the moments I needed to be convicted. I have seen this text come alive in my own life. I pray that, that you could uh, say the same thing, that you have seen God literally guide us through this book of the Bible. And uh, say true things in the moment that we needed it said. We have been journeying through this book which has walked us through what it means to walk in the wisdom of God. It has made this point over and over again that there is no sphere, there is no category, there is no aspect of your life that exists outside of the sovereign rule of the king of kings. That there is no shadowy place in your life where God isn't king. That there is a way to live wisely or foolishly in every single thing you do. There's a wise way to have friends. There's a wise way to have relationships, to be patient, to steward your money, to work your job. There there is a wise way that leads to life and there is a foolish way that leads to life. To death. This final chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31, in it, we were introduced to a new voice of wisdom. The voice is the voice of King Lemuel. But while it's King Lemuel that we heard last week in the the first nine verses, it's not really his wise words that we're reading. Rather, we we are hearing King Lemuel retell the wise words that his mama gave him. What we're seeing is wisdom passed down from King Lemuel's mother to King Lemuel, now to the readers of Proverbs. Proverbs 31 verse 1 says, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. His mother, apparently intentionally spoke to him about what it would take to be a good king. So last week, we saw the wisdom his mother gave him. She warned him against giving himself to many women, the very uh, uh, fault that King Solomon had uh, that, that brought down his sort of reign. She warned against drunkenness. She urges him to fulfill his role as a good king. To open his mouth for the helpless and the hurting. To serve the kingdom in a selfless way. She, she wanted him to reflect the king of kings and the lord of lords in the ways that he ruled in the kingdom. She wanted him to be a wise king. One who lived and ruled God's way in God's world. Now in verse 10 though of Proverbs chapter 31 a massive transition happens. The theme and the form changes. Verse 10 of Proverbs 31, presumably still the wise words of King Lemuel's mother, it transitions into a poem that is in the form of an acrostic. Now, an acrostic is a poetic form of literature in which every new line of the sentence starts with the next letter of the alphabet, right? So, verse 11, or verse 10 begins with the Hebrew equivalent of the letter A, verse 11 begins with the Hebrew equivalent of the letter B, verse 12 begins with C, so on and so forth. So, we don't see it in the English, but in the original language, every line starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, very much like a children's book would. You you know, you take a children's book, and A is for apples, and B is for bicycle, and and you're teaching them multiple things that's easy for them to remember. So, in a sense, King Lemuel's recounting an acrostic book or acrostic memorization tool that his mama handed him about a particular topic. So, this A to Z uh, format kind of catechizes him in this particular topic. Not only that, Whenever the Bible uses this sort of A to Z form, it is communicating also completeness. So, so this, this is going to be everything A to Z, full alphabet, uh, that, that you should be looking for. Particularly in this context, the book of Proverbs comes to this conclusion, an acrostic which gives a complete A to Z profile of what a wise woman looks like. What we find in this final section of Proverbs is the description of the kind of wife that King Lemuel should be looking for if he wants to serve the Lord. But really what we find in Proverbs is this masterful conclusion, this masterful conclusion which describes Lady Wisdom. If you remember, early in Proverbs, we're introduced to wisdom through this, um, this voice, the voice of Lady Wisdom crying out in the street, begging every passerby to come to her and find life, and not to go to Lady Folly and find death. So you have in the beginning of the book, Lady Wisdom crying out the streets, come to me, don't go to her. So that's the beginning of the book. And now what you have is a real world, real person, Lady Wisdom incarnate. If Lady Wisdom were to take on flesh and live in this particular setting, she'd look like this. What we have is wisdom embodied in chapter 31. A young woman who fears the Lord in literally everything she does. What we're about to read is what it would look like if wisdom put on flesh and then in everyday life lived as a young lady in ancient Israel married to King Lemuel. She applies all the wisdom from the first 30 chapters to her context as a wife and a mother. So Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, that's the setup. Now let's dive into the text. Verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household. Portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong she perceives that her merchandise is profitable her lamp does not go out at night she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy she's not afraid of snow for her household for all her household are clothed in scarlet she makes bed coverings for herself she Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's, let's stop and uh, pray for understanding this morning. Father, um, this text is gorgeous. It is beautiful, it is good, it is inspired by your spirit. But Father, I come to this text recognizing that foolish men have weaponized it, that foolish women have demonized it, and that our modern society has trivialized it. And so, God, I come pleading with you to help us see in this text what you want us to see. Help me not to say things that go beyond this text, but God, help me not to avoid things that this text teaches. Oh God, help us by the power of your Spirit to apply what it is that your intent is with putting this collection of 21 verses at the end of this majestic book of wisdom. What do you want us to do with this this morning, Lord? Not only do you, what do you want us to do with it, God, but how should we be stirred to worship King Jesus Because of what we see inspired in this text, God, in in order to see these things, apply these things, believe these things, worship over these things, God, we need the help of your Spirit guiding us, Lord. And so, Lord, I just come to you praying that you would help, even as I preach, to, to see beautiful things in your Word, wonderful things in your Word, and that we would worship, God. We pray All these things by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. The first thing that I want you to notice about Proverbs 31 is the setting, the relational setting in which the chapter is playing out. Now in a few moments, we are going to observe all the ways Lady Wisdom is, is I'm going to refer to her as Lady Wisdom throughout, by the way, uh, that is what she is, she's the embodiment of Lady Wisdom. As we read, we're going we're to learn a lot from her, but first we've got to take note of the relational setting in which she's living her life. There is a relational theological assumption of Proverbs 31. So if you're a note taker, this is the first assumption, and then we're going to see uh, seven observations about wisdom. But first, you have to get this down, write this down. Men and women are wonderfully different and designed to work together. Men and women are wonderfully different and designed to work together. Now, I must admit, as I prepared to preach this sermon, uh, I trembled in fear a little bit because I feel like I'm dancing through a field of landmines. There are ways to use this text very wrongly. But there are also ways to ignore this text. And so let me just, from the get-go say, if you're a husband in this room, and if I see you nudging your wife, saying that she should do better, I will call you out right now. Because what we see in this text is a relational setting where This type of wisdom can be lived out. There is a reality that is assumed that men and women are wonderfully different, but they're designed to work together. It's part of God's design for his creative world. The, The relationship between man and woman in this text is painted as the reality of God's wisdom. What we see in chapter 31 is husband and wife enjoying God's way in God's world. They are enjoying God's wisdom even in how they're designed to relate to each other. The wife is described as excellent, more precious than jewels. The husband trusts her at a heart level. Now that's a very important verse that exposes the kind of relationship that undergirds everything happening in this text. The husband and the wife trust one another... The husband believes at a heart level that his wife is for him, not against him. She desires his good, not his harm. She lives in light of that desire, therefore she can be trusted. This is supposed to be what makes Proverbs 31 possible, what makes a marriage possible. There's a trust within the covenant of marriage. There's safety and security in this wholehearted belief that the other person wants what's absolute best for me. Now This is God's way in God's world. A marriage of wisdom is a marriage of mutual trust. And that kind of heart trust may not come naturally to us, but it's the kind of heart trust we are to strive to cultivate in Christian marriages. I want you to notice the extent of which the wife is doing good to her husband here. Look at verse 12. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Here's the relational setting of Proverbs 31. This is a till death do us part kind of commitment that Lady Wisdom has made to her husband. husband. And now most of the proverb, as we progress, it emphasizes what Lady Wisdom's doing. She's the main sort of character here. At the same time, the husband in the text is not inactive, passive, or foolish in this acrostic. The husband present in this text is both working in a unique way to contribute to the household, and he's absolutely adoring, praising, and exalting his wife as she fulfills her ministry. Look at verse 23. The husband is is working uniquely in a role. Verse 23, the husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. He's fulfilling a unique role in the relationship, a spiritual, social, political leadership in the community. Verse 23 points to him fulfilling his responsibilities. And the reason verse 23 is there is to highlight he couldn't, fulfill this responsibility if his wife was not gloriously fulfilling unique roles in their lives together. If there was no cooperation, then this is not possible. The picture of Proverbs is not an oppressive sort of patriarchy where the husband is limiting the wife, demeaning the wife, or oppressing the wife. In fact, the picture is the exact opposite. The husband is blown away with adoration for this woman in his life. If you look at verse 28 of 31, it says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, he says, but you surpassed them all. In Proverbs 31, the man literally exalts the wife above himself. He showers her with encouragement, lifts her up, up poetically, romantically proclaims, you surpass all other women. <laughs> you are precious in my sight. And then verse 31, King Lemuel's mother, she's the one where this wisdom's coming from, right? She gives Lemuel this command in verse 31. Give her of the fruit of your hands and let her works praise her in the gates. In other words, King Lemuel, whenever you find this lady, you better reward her for her excellence. Provide for her and praise her in the gates before others. The command is... It's for the husband to be a blessing to his wife just as the wife is a blessing to him and the whole household. It is a beautiful thing that God has created. It is a beautiful picture in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 portrays men and women fulfilling different roles and responsibilities, but working together in mutually serving, celebrating, trusting, and loving kinds of ways. He is to praise her in the gates. And if I paused and applied this message to my own wife, we would not have enough time for me to complete the sermon. And the ways that I could praise her, for the ways in which she embodies wisdom to me every day. And the way she is bodied with me, and the way she selflessly right now is caring for two sick kids so that I can stand here and preach this sermon. I'm not saying this is the way it has to work in everybody's life, but all I'm saying is I'm seeing this text come to life this week as my wife has sleeplessly cared for a five-year-old who had his tonsils out and she is pouring out a week after she led with winsomeness and and wisdom and determination uh, youth camp feeding of 130 people for five days. People come to Proverbs 31 and they look at this woman and, and And if you think that this woman is demeaned in any way because she's doing things that are different than what the husband is doing, you're missing the boat. This passage exalts the ministry that God has given to this woman in this way. Men and women are wonderfully different and designed to work together. Now, the rest of Proverbs 31 is a description of how the excellent wife uses all of her gifts and abilities and strengths and efforts to bless the household. It is a description of lady wisdom from A to Z. Now, let me pause. There are a couple ways you can really mess up the interpretation of this text, okay? You can overapply it. By saying that everything this woman does is the exact responsibility of every woman in every setting. Now, this is obviously not true. Ladies in the room, you are not in sin if you do not know how to make your own clothing, okay? You have not failed the Lord in this area. Ladies, you are not in sin if you haven't bought a field recently. You are not in sin if you are not currently running a small business out of your home exporting goods to faraway nations. These expressions are placed here. What she's doing is placed here to show us a woman utilizing all the wisdom of God found in Proverbs chapters 1 through 30 and then applying all that wisdom to the care of her household and family in her setting, in her uh, scenario. The principles of wisdom she implements in her cultural setting and season of life are principles of wisdom that every person in every setting, men included, are called to implement in their particular seasons and settings of life. She's taking the wisdom of God and applying that to her present responsibility in care of the household that the Lord has given her. There's a sense in which Lady Wisdom incarnate in this A to Z acrostic actually helps us to reflect on everything Proverbs has been saying thus far. That means that this text is not just for women in the room. This text is for men in the room as well. For the rest of this sermon, we're going to see modeled principles of wisdom In this lady wisdom's relationship to her husband and to her household and the community. So we're gonna roll quick. Seven principles we see rolling quick. Number one, Lady Wisdom is trustworthy. And we've already commented on this, but the first clue we have to her character is the fact that her husband can trust her, she does not lie. She takes her marriage vows seriously. Adultery is not an option. She's committed to wisdom. She's committed to God's way and God's world, so much so that the whole family can rest assured that she will not drift off into foolishness, but will lead the family into wisdom. Lady wisdom is trustworthy. Now, husbands, are you supposed to be trustworthy? Yes. (laughs) What we're seeing is not... Uh, commands or principles isolated to the wife here, right? So, so everything she embodies here, you're supposed to embody too. Now how that fleshes out in 21st century St. Rose household might look different, but if she's called to be trustworthy, you're called to be trustworthy. Truth number two, lady wisdom works hard. Lady wisdom works hard. That is a dominant theme throughout this you look back at verse 13, you see all that she does. She, she seeks wool and flax. She works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. Verse 15 says, she rises while it is yet night, provides food for her household, portions for her maidens, considers a Field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She does CrossFit. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what that means. <laughs> this is not what that means. <laughs> verse 18. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the staff. Her hands hold the spindle. If you jump down to verse 27, it says she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread idleness. Right, so throughout the Proverbs, we have been confronted over and over and over again that laziness is not wise. For all people in all times, laziness is not wise, and lady wisdom in this context is not lazy. She's working with willing hands, rises while it's still night, works the garden, provides food for her family, makes clothing. The girl has strong arms because they are not idle arms. Proverbs very much confronts all of us with Lady Wisdom's work ethic. She is not endlessly scrolling. She is not endlessly binging the next series. She is not hitting the snooze button every single day. There is a joyful, balanced, appropriate, wise working that characterizes her life that brings blessing to the whole family. Now, this is simply an application of what we've seen already. Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 11 was written to all people, not just Lady Wisdom. Proverbs 6, 6, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food and harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come to you like a robber and want like an armed man. Lady Wisdom does what all of us are called to do, and that is work hard with what God has given us to glorify Him and do good to our families, friends, communities. Which brings us to number three. Lady Wisdom is a good steward There's a way to work hard, but to do so in a foolish way for foolish reasons. She is stewarding, though, the gifts, abilities, opportunities, and resources she has in order to bring blessing to others. This woman is resourceful. She's making and creating and buying and selling. She's smart. She's savvy. She's gifted. She's strong. She's using everything God Almighty has given her She's stewarding money, she's stewarding time, she's stewarding abilities to be a blessing not to herself, but to those whom she loves. This this text is, is not disparaging women in any way. It's saying this girl's a rock star. She can do it all. And she does it all for the glory of God, not just for her family, but even to those who are outside her family. Look at verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Number four, Lady Wisdom is generous. Lady Wisdom is generous. She is not selfish. She is not self-absorbed. She is such a good steward of what God has given her that she's free to give a lot of it away. She knows that this world is not her home, that riches are not her happiness. She knows she serves a gracious God, and she wants to reflect that graciousness to the world with the setting and scenario she's been placed in. She is living a mission of giving away herself. And is this not what the Proverbs have taught every one of us to do? Proverbs eleven twenty four says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and he only suffers wants. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. We could go on and on and on. Wisdom in the Proverbs is giving of yourself. Not seeking most blessing for self, but seeking how you can be a blessing to others. Lady Wisdom's not stingy. She's not consumed with her own comforts. She works hard not to be wealthy, but to be generous. Remember that King Lemuel is called to the exact same thing. Proverbs 31, verse 8, Open your mouth for the mute, the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So what is it that his mama's saying? Find someone who will run right along next to you in being the generous representative of a gracious God in a broken world. Find someone who will care about the things you're supposed to care about and together display the generosity of God, right? Number five, lady wisdom, she can be generous because of this. Lady wisdom prepares for the future and trusts God with the future, Proverbs 31, verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household, which, Lord, none of us are afraid of snow uh, in South Louisiana right now. Uh, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Now, now, the proverb is depicting her as prepared. She thinks ahead. She's not caught off guard by what is to come. She, she tries to plan ahead at the same time, she's trusting the Lord with that future. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. The future does not scare lady wisdom. She prepares for it in a way that trusts God So that she can laugh at the future. She can rejoice and be joyful rather than be stricken with anxiety over whatever's coming next. Her laughter at the time to come simply emphasizes she believes what Proverbs has been teaching about the sovereignty of God. She believes, Proverbs 16 9, that the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Lady Wisdom laughs because she believes the lord establishes the steps of her family. She doesn't just laugh though, she speaks. Number 6. Number 6, lady wisdom speaks god's wisdom. Proverbs 31 verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The excellent wife, the lady wisdom she is not silent in this text. She speaks not to tear down, not to spread gossip, not to speak evil. She opens her mouth and she teaches wisdom with kindness. Now, I am convinced by the scriptures that men and women are created differently. They're created differently emotionally, mentally, biologically In fact, I would say that one of the greatest evidences of our sin nature in our society is that our society celebrates as courageous when someone rejects the anatomy that they were given at birth. Like, the whole transgender movement is simply just a visual picture of how much humanity naturally hates what God has designed. Like, we don't even like the parts that you've given us. So we will rebel against us. We all naturally reject, right? And that shows up in transgenderism. That shows up in uh, uh, using our gender to boast over another gender, rather than celebrating the differences that have been created. I am fully convinced that in the scriptures there are different roles for men and women in the household and in the church. I am fully convinced that the scriptures has reserved the office of pastor for qualified men. That he has given that special burden or responsibility on men. At the same time, when I look at the scripture, I am also convinced that every woman has both the opportunity and the responsibility to teach the wisdom of God with kindness in a whole host of amazing settings. That all people, women included, are mandated by God to be teachers of the word. If you're a Christian person... You are mandated by God to teach the wisdom of God with kindness in personal relationships, in disciple making, in child raising, in teaching one another within the church in a variety of settings. The wisdom of God is meant to be passed down through you, men and women, speaking the wisdom of God with kindness. And Let me ask, are you known for speaking wisdom and teaching wisdom to others? with the kind of kindness that is appropriate to speak the words of a gracious God. Lady Wisdom, one of the markers of Lady Wisdom is that she uses her mouth to speak wise things from God in kind ways. And where does all that wisdom come from that Lady Wisdom has? Verse 30 closes with a descriptor of Lady Wisdom. With the same words that open the whole book of Proverbs. Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Number seven, final one Lady Wisdom fears the Lord. This is fundamentally what is most special about this woman. While others may focus on deceitful charm or vain beauty, this woman fears the one true God. She relates to God as He really is. She relates to His Word as He really is. She, do you realize what, what this is doing here? The very beginning of the book, verse 7 of chapter 1, defines for us What does it mean to be wisdom, to to have wisdom? And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Again, in chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Again, in chapter 14, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Lady wisdom, what is special about lady wisdom is not the fact that she can make her own clothes. (laughs) It's not the fact that she's like an awesome business owner and she can like, by fields. What's amazing about Lady Wisdom is that she knows God and that she believes every aspect of her life fits under this responsibility to worship this God. Every opportunity she's given is an opportunity to reflect the fear of a God she cherishes. God is worthy of her obedience, worthy of her life. She strives for trustworthiness, hard work, good stewardship, generosity, preparation, wise speaking, not just for the sake of her husband or her household. There will be days where the husband and the household are not praiseworthy, where there is no desire to serve in that capacity, but that's not why she's serving anyways. She serves because a holy God whom she loves, is to be displayed through her life. And let me just say this, if the fear of God is not the primary force and motivation for your wise behavior, you will be a fool. If you don't seek wisdom because of the reality of God, who says stuff and loves you and wants what's best from you, you will be a fool, foolishness will always be easier and more attractive and more comfortable to you. It must be the fear of God that drives you to live in God's way, in God's world. Lady Wisdom fears the Lord. Now, let me conclude and bring us home here with figuring out how do we apply these things, the 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 realm of application here is just beyond what I can do in the last five minutes of a sermon. So let me just give you a few, a few little applications, a few different scenarios that are happening in the room. So if you're in the room and you are married, what you have before in you in Proverbs 31 is a model of wisdom. When you have before you a model of selfless, complimentary service within the home to bless the household, you have a picture of of a man and woman fulfilling unique roles, celebrated as equally valuable, and thriving as they seek to outbless one another. The way your roles are divided in a home might look different than Proverbs 31, but the setting and the principles of wisdom are the same. The relational setting of a marriage where trust makes possible two very different individuals working together for the same goal. The setting's got to be the same. You have to find a way to, in a complementary way, work together for the blessing of the household and one another. Figuring out how this works in your household will take clear, humble communication with an unwavering commitment to God's wisdom above your own. If you are unmarried in the room, but looking, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Don't (laughs) raise your hand. (laughs) Get together afterwards in the foyer. No, I'm just kidding. If you are unmarried, but looking, you have before you, right, some high standards. High standards to look for in someone whom you could marry, right? High standards to grow into so that you are marryable. Oftentimes, we focus too much On finding someone we can marry, and not enough time focusing on whether anyone should want to marry us. And I would encourage you focusing on being marryable more than you focus on finding the someone you want to marry. Focus on being an embodiment of the kind of wisdom you see in Proverbs God fearing. Focus on fearing God more than you focus on finding someone. And if you find someone, you better make sure they fear God, that they know God, because they will not be running in the same race you're running in the same direction you're running for very long. You might find that focusing on fearing God and relating to God will actually serve you better in the long term And prepare you for any opportunities God may have you in the future. Last category, if you're unmarried and not looking to ever be married, the principles of wisdom here are not bound to marriage. Proverbs 31 shows you the wise life. There is a tremendous need for you to embody all this wisdom in a life of singleness. Trustworthiness is not just for the married people. (laughs) hard work, good stewardship, generosity are not qualities that you'll get to one day when you grow up and have 2.5 kids or whatever. No, no, no. These are callings for all people in every generation. I mean, this is why Proverbs was written. That you might live in God's world, God's way and find everlasting joy. Proverbs 1:1 1, 1 through 7 says, "This is why it's written to know wisdom, an instruction To understand words of insight. Proverbs 31 is simply written to fulfill the purpose of the whole book, to lead us into the wisdom of God and to figure out how we embody it wherever God has us. Last question. I want to close with this. Last week in our Sunday morning training track on how to teach the Bible, we were arguing that every text in Scripture, points us to the main character of Scripture. That every text in Scripture is a little story, which is part of the bigger story, which climaxes in Jesus Christ's work on the cross for sinners like you and me. If it's in the Old Testament, it's simply pointing forward to what Jesus is going to do. If it's in the New Testament, it's just reflecting back to what he's already done and telling us how to live in light of it. And so then the question then becomes, how does Proverbs 31 set us up for Jesus. Where is Jesus in this text? How does this fit in the story of the whole Bible? One of the difficulties of Proverbs 31, when we read it, is that when we compare ourselves to this A to Z description, I hope there isn't a soul in the room that reads Proverbs 31 and says, that's me exactly. I mean, I to a T. I make my own clothes and all. I, I, that is the description of me. King Lemuel's mother says these are characteristics you look for in a potential bride. But you see, here's the reality of the biblical story. We don't look like this. In fact, all of us in the room are more naturally untrustworthy Our natural disposition is laziness. We are bad stewards of time, talents, and resources. We are not naturally generous. We do not naturally trust God with the future. We do not naturally use our words for teaching with kindness. We do not rightly fear the Lord as he is to be feared. According to wisdom of King Lemuel's mother, we should not pursue anybody because ain't nobody look like this. The story of the Bible tells us that King Lemuel should look for someone who looks like this. But the story of the Bible tells us that King Jesus is very different than King Lemuel. King Jesus has pursued relationship with a bride, a church that doesn't currently look like this. You see, King Jesus pursued us even though we are foolish in his sight. King Jesus is different than King Lemuel. King Jesus chooses his bride not based off of her worthiness, but based off of his power to shape, to save, shape, and mold her into what she will always be. You see, King Lemuel doesn't have the power to change a heart. Jesus does. See, Jesus did not pursue a perfect bride. He, much more like Hosea, pursued a prostitute with a plan of making her forever gloriously wise like this chapter describes see jesus doesn't choose us because we're a proverbs 31 kind of bride we're far more like a gomer kind of bride in the book of hosea jesus chooses us not because we're worthy no but but he makes us worthy by his grace for his glory that's the message of the bible That we are an adulterous people, unworthy of having relationship with King Jesus, and he chased us down, purchased us, took off our dirty robes, gave us a white robe, and then invites us into relationship with himself so that he can then make us what we are not yet, but what we will be forevermore. The story of the Bible begins with an adultery in Genesis chapter 3, and ends with a marriage being brought together between the bride of Christ and Christ himself. Revelation chapter 21 is a walking down the aisle of sorts where we have been dressed by the grace of Jesus to be with him forever and ever and ever, an embodiment of all of the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 31. Ephesians 5, 28. Sorry, Ephesians 5, chapter 25 says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. The whole concept of marriage was always about displaying the kind of pursuit that God would have of us, his wayward bride, and the kind of bringing together that God has promised at the end of time. The end of the biblical story is a marriage ceremony. Proverbs 31 shows us that we don't measure up. The gospel of Jesus says, Jesus measured up for you, takes you as you are, will change you slowly but surely into what you will always be, the bride of Christ, living in God's world, God's way. So let's praise God that he pursued foolish bride like us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this text. There's all kinds of ways we can respond to it. Pray that you would help us to apply it humbly, and that we, our church will be made up of households that beautifully reflect your wisdom. Thank you for the whole book of Proverbs and the way you've led us through it these seven months, and I pray that you would guide us as we turn to your word over the next seven months. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.